morning. Uh, today's reading is taken from Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 to 18. You'll find that, find that in the Bibles in the seats in front of you. I'll just give you a moment to find that on page 630 as well. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of, write them on a tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Thanks, brother. G'day, everyone. My name's uh, Pete. I was about to say Pete, the new guy. Am I still the new guy? Yeah, I guess... Nice to see you in church today. Hey, uh, we saw Stu's wonderful smiley face up there, and it's a good reminder that uh, those guys are close. The baby's coming so soon. And uh, so keep them in your prayers. I'm sure they'd really, really appreciate it, Stu and Andy and little Stevie. Uh, But how about we pray, and then we'll get to work in this passage. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you've made. You did make it. You make the sun come up, you'll make it go down tonight. Father, I pray now that uh, as we come before you and hear from your word, would you guide me, Uh, would you guide us, would you help us all to uh, see Jesus and to know his peace. And we pray it uh, in his mighty name, amen. I was looking at our funny tattoos this week. And I, was actually, I must admit, I was starting to feel quite sorry for the poor people who are stamped with them for life. So, this, like this one up here. Now, Grandma skipped my generation at school, and so it obviously skipped the artists who did this. And <clears throat> I, so, at one level, I get it, but making a mistake on an essay is one thing. Doing it on a skin for life is quite another. The irony of this one always makes me laugh. No regrets. <laughs> Oh dear. And so I moved from funny tattoos to the most popular tattoos. And so there was dolphin, dragon, love hearts, landscapes. They were all very, very popular, as was this one. Now, some of you might be familiar with it. 
Some of you might even know how to read it. Some of you might have it tattooed, I don't know. But it absolutely concerns all of us. It's the uh, Hebrew word for peace, shalom. Great word, great word. It's a, uh, but more than a popular tattoo, it actually has very, very profound meaning. Uh, it means the absence of conflict, absolutely, but it means much more than that. It means the presence of everything that is required for the wellness and well-being of the individual. Very powerful, profound word. As a verb, it means to make something whole. And so if you think about a brick wall, a brick wall that is in perfect condition, so it's got no cracks, no missing bricks, it is in a state of shalom. This is why we're told when Solomon completed the temple that it was in a state of shalom. So 400 years later, you might know this, the temple was burnt to the ground by Nebuchadnezzar, shalom crumbled, it broke down. And so you take this same idea of shalom and you plonk it on a person. And if you were to ask a person, how's your shalom, one way to think about what you're asking there is how is the brick wall of your relationships? So with a parent or maybe with a kid or with a friend, what shape are they in? It works in other ways too. So before David was king, when he was just a shepherd boy, he went out to visit his brothers. They were on the battlefield. It wasn't a pleasant place at all. And he goes up to them. They're sitting there and he says, how is your shalom? And what he's asking them is, how is the, how is the brick wall of your mental health? Probably something we could ask each other a little bit more. And so that's what he says, how is your shalom? And he's asking them that question because what happened to the temple can happen in our lives. So mentally, relationally, the fires of conflict and despair, worry, stress, all these things can come in and they crumble the walls of our shalom, start to break it down. And so last Sunday night, I was driving home from night church after Nathan's great sermon on Father's Day. For the fourth time, on the fourth time, I started to drift into my sermon this week about peace. I was thinking, what I'll do this week is a little exercise. I'm going to check in on my own peace. And so starting at 12 midnight, I thought I was driving home. I had a butter chicken next to me, so I was feeling happy about that. And I thought, I'm just going to check in, and whenever I feel like I don't have peace, I'm just going to scribble it down in my diary. So if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling annoyed, if I'm just feeling really sad about something, I'm just going to write it down. So I went to bed 12 midnight, woke up at 3 a.m. I thought, oh, we're getting started early. <laughs> I wrote something down. And then I thought, you know what, why don't I just share my list with you? All right, so just... Watch my grandfather do this at a wedding. Brilliant. Yeah, I got to Tuesday afternoon. I was sitting out there on the chair and I just gave up. I just gave up. I thought, if my mind was a dance floor, it's like the dance floor at a wedding. It is packed with stuff just spinning around in there, messing up my, my peace. And look, my little experiments may be a little bit trivial, but what you are going through may not be trivial at all. It could be massive. Low levels, maybe debilitating levels of anxiety, stress. Could be going through financial trouble, difficulty with a, with a parent, a disagreement with a friend, something going on with your health. You know, the kids might be getting bullied at school. You might be getting bullied and, and that's upsetting you, rightly so. 
Maybe it's not one massive thing. It's not always one massive thing. Sometimes it's a million little things. And sometimes it just feels like your piece is in pieces. Like somebody's taken the puzzle box that is your life and just thrown the pieces into the air. And I think if we're honest and we look at our own lives and then we look at the world, I think we can come to the conclusion that peace is demonstrably absent a lot of the time or transient. So if you look at a map of Europe over the last 300 years, the boundary lines of nations are constantly changing as countries skip between peace and conflict. Sometimes the uh, peace treaties, they're broken before the ink is even dry. And the Bible would agree with that. And in fact, the Bible would add to that and tell us that the biggest point of conflict is actually between humans and God himself. That is the coalface of the biggest conflict in the world, and it has been going on since the Apple incident. Bible in a nutshell. And so, looking at peace this week, I was just so thankful, as somebody who does wrestle with anxiety, I was just so thankful that we have a father who speaks into the conflict and the messiness of our world and our lives. Because we have a God who has an agenda to rebuild the bricks of our brokenness. To bring shalom. To make us whole. And so I opened the book of Proverbs this week. And please keep it open in front of you there. 6.30 is the page. I opened uh, the book of Proverbs and I asked a very simple question. What does Proverbs teach us about peace? And what I plucked out of the fertile soil of this book was two things. Proverbs teaches us the link between listening to God and having peace. So there's a link between listening to God and having peace. That's there. And two, the link between trusting God and having peace. So the two are similar, but there is a difference. Firstly, the link between listening to God and having peace. It is an idea, I think, that is neatly packed into the first two sentences of chapter 3 that Rusty read for us. So let me just read it out. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. And so I like to picture there's a kid sitting at a breakfast table about to go off to school. Here he is listening to his dad before he runs out the door. My son... Don't forget my teaching, don't forget my commands, for they will, and listen to this, they will prolong your life many years and bring you shalom, peace. I read that and I think before the United Nations, we have a God who holds out a roadmap to peace, which says to me, that we have a loving father who wants peace to be more than a tattoo on the skin. He wants it to be something that's tattooed in our souls, in our hearts, something that we feel, something that we experience, something that we know is real, something that is deep, something we experience in life. But the question I was asking this, this passage is, what kind of peace is this? What kind of peace is this? And Proverbs is a very, very, very practical book just in life. And so this piece in verse 2 is almost certainly referring to just like a general everyday kind of piece, like a general well-being. And I remember my mum, we lived on Park Road, that's a street we grew up in, and I remember her taking me out to the curb and teaching me. She said, stop at the curb. 
I tried to sing it this morning, it just fell on deaf ears, I think, but it, this was a song about crossing the road. Stop at the curb, look to your right, look to your left, look to your right again, then if the road is clear of traffic, walk straight across the road. Don't run, walk straight across the road. Mum's advice on the curb. And mum's advice on the curb helped me in life not to get hit by my neighbour John's Mazda 929, which he drove too fast, by the way, and to keep me out of hospital. That was helpful advice. So mum's advice on the curb, I think, is similar to this, so this general life piece, mum's wisdom on the curb, general life piece, is a bit like God's wisdom in Proverbs for general life peace. So we look at Proverbs 15, verse 1, this one's not about crossing the road, but it is about anger. It's about something that can remove the bricks of your own shalom. It can also do it to other people. And so God speaks to us about it. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That is the kind of teaching I want to listen to if I don't want to be fighting with my neighbour across the fence all the time, if I don't want to be fighting across the table in a staff meeting. It's going to be good for my health. It's going to be good for others. Proverbs 15 and 18 gives another example. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. That is the kind of teaching I want to listen to if I don't want to spend my life in arguments or feeling stressed or getting punched or people leaving me because my anger is scary. There's one more, Proverbs 11, 13, and there's many, 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 many. I've picked out three. Proverbs 11, 13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. That is the kind of teaching I want to listen to in life. One, if I want to be seen as a trustworthy person. Two, if I want people to actually want to be around me, maybe invite me over for dinner, just to have people able to trust me. It's a good way to keep friends around you. Verse 2, I think, is that kind of peace, this general life peace, and God wants you to have it. He wants you to have it emotionally. He wants you to have it relationally. He wants it in society. This is what he wants. And so what we have in Proverbs is all of these moral levers that we can pull in life to help us add bricks to shalom, this general well-being for us and for the world. It's very, very helpful. But as I prayed about this, I feel like if we lift the covers a bit, there is a principle underneath here in listening to God that leads to a different peace. I'm going to come back to this, but I'd like to talk about it just for a minute. This is something that is distinct from general peace that, let's be honest, can hightail it the moment we drop the ball on something or something happens in life, which it does. It, what I find fascinating about Proverbs is that, in fact, anyone can pick up this book, anyone. Remove it from religion. Anyone can pick up Proverbs like they would a car maintenance manual, follow the steps and improve the vehicle that is their life. Absolutely. It's fantastic. That is helpful, but even more helpful is this deeper principle about listening to God and having peace. I'm talking about a permanent peace. And what struck me in... Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, is this staggering statement. God says, whoever listens to me will live. Oh, I've got to have a think about that. This is a promise that you trip over 
as you walk through the forest of the Bible. It's everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. And I don't know if you know this, but a person can have peace with God, eternal peace with God, by listening to God. That is, hearing the good news about Jesus, whether that's in an armchair or whether it's in the arms of a loved one's moments before you pass into eternity. A person can hear and believe the good news and have eternal life, eternal peace. I heard a fantastic story from a a good friend of mine. His dear mother had been rejecting the Lord her whole life, no interest. And he sat there on her hospital bed, talked to her about Jesus. She believed. Hours later, she passed away into the arms of her maker. Wonderful story, listening to God and having peace. I just wanted to flag that, but we're going to come back to it. So listening to God can be the link not only to general life peace, verses 1 and 2, but also this eternal peace. And if I could just throw one more in the mix. Listening to God can also be the link to just having ongoing daily life peace. And what I'm talking about is when we're navigating the trenches of life kind of peace. So I don't know if you remember in 2004 on Boxing Day, that tsunami that rolled through Thailand. That was so full on, the, the, the footage was pretty hard to watch. The place was just destroyed, it was devastating. And I remember looking at the photos and just feeling so sad about that. But what always astounded me in those photos was what was left standing. It was the trees. And everything else was gone. You see, over the years, the roots were so deep in the earth that not even a tsunami, this tidal wave, could uproot them. And friends, that is the image in the Bible of a person whose roots go deep into God by listening to him. And I read it in Psalm 1 this week, blessed is the one, we read, who meditates on God's law day and night. This meditate carries this idea of a cow in a field chewing grass all day, day and night. We do that with God's word, you'll be just like a tree planted by streams of water. So secure, knowing who you are in God, that even the waves of turmoil won't knock you down. There's something very profound in that that we are being encouraged to know as we navigate the trenches of life. It's a very powerful image, I think. Very powerful image. I remember uh, my dad many years ago, I didn't understand at the time, but I understand now, looking back on it, was going through a very difficult time at work. It's a very difficult season for our family. And I remember he'd drive home from work and he'd go into his room and I'd walk past his room, it was just across the hall from mine, and the door would be just open a little bit and I'd look in there and I'd see him on his knees with his Bible open every day. It's one of my fondest memories of my father, just kneeling there, reminding himself, hearing from God, having having God flood into him the big picture promises of God, that his eternal future was in his hands. That is the only way that my dad could get in the car each day and go back, to, back off to work and navigate life. Francis, we call him Francie boy. He's like a eucalyptus tree in the Lord. Disciplined, quiet time with God will bring, will bring peace in your life. I promise you that, because God's promising that. 
I'm not saying it's easy to find time, and I'm not even saying that it's easy to understand the Bible all of the time. But what I am saying is that we are very complex people with very complex lives, and so we need to create a God who's always in our ear, the one who understands it. And so there is a link, I think, between listening and peace, general life peace that I talked about, eternal peace, daily inner peace, and secondly and more quickly, I think Proverbs teaches us that there is also a link between trust and having peace. Now, they're similar, but they're slightly different. You notice in verse 5 from, um, from the reading, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're all hearing the song, I know. We've heard this a few times in this sermon series, but try and hear the words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. He will make. I love that line. It's very intimate in what he's doing for us. This is an invitation for you and for me to invite someone who is infinitely more powerful than us into the wheelhouse of our lives. And when you truly know who is in your corner, peace. This is, this is not Tony Robbins, I'm going to do it on my, by myself kind of peace. I don't want to write the guy off, but it's, it's a different piece to that. It's different. This is, our, um, this is my little boy, Charlie. Isn't he sweet? Tell me he's sweet. He's so sweet. He is a timid little thing, uh, but we just love him. And uh, I saw him last week get chased inside by one of those little white butterflies. <laughs> he's so timid. Anyway, I was preparing for the sermon. I was sitting outside and he came and he was sitting next to me, just on the chair, drifting off to sleep in the sun. And I was sitting there watching him thinking, how is he not freaking out? He freaks out at everything. And I asked the question because over his shoulder, the top right, you can see the bully from next door in the dark. You see it? There he is. Now, my Charlie, he knew that cat was there. He knew it. Usually he'd be terrified, but he was okay. And as I, as I took the photo, it dawned on me why he was okay. It was because of who was behind the lens. It's because I was there. I was with him. I was sitting there with him, watching him. I was in his corner. And after 12 years together, Charlie trusts me implicitly to look out for him. And friends, if we trust in the Lord with all our hearts, in all our ways submit to him, the word actually means know him, know his presence. Friend, you can lie down in the sun. No matter what turmoil is looking over your shoulder, that's the peace you have when you know that you are daily in the presence of someone who is infinitely more powerful than anything we might be going through. And some of you are going through a lot. That's peace. And his presence doesn't mean we're removed from difficult situations, but it does mean God is with us in that situation and what we know about him, what we know about our future with him, helps us move up and through and over whatever it is that we're going through. He will make your path straight. 
It's like the divine equivalent of saying he will take your hand and he will guide you and he will work good because he, for those who love him. And many of you do love him. And if you do love him, I'm really speaking to you to encourage you that he is with you. For those of you who know the peace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is with you, spiritually present and walking with you in whatever it is you're going through. And so I just want to remind you of that. But there might be some of you here and this is all new to you. And that's okay. But let me speak to you for just a minute. You see, the Bible, the message of the Bible runs in a very different direction to the message of the world when it comes to finding peace. It, it, the peace the Bible offers is not the kind of peace you find in a comparative religion. It's not the kind of peace you, you find in a program or a philosophy. It's peace that's firstly found in a person. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, a Galilean carpenter, he stood with his buddies on the edge of history and he said to them, he said something remarkable in John's Gospel, chapter 16. He said, fellas, I've told you these things. What he's referring to is he's been telling them that he's going to die in their place for their sin, that he is going to rise again. I'm telling you these things, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, he's talking about eternal peace with God. And maybe that's why you're here today, because you're, you're looking for something to deal with the restlessness. Oh, man, I remember being there in a scout hall in Bury many years ago. Something to deal with my worry, something to deal with this, hopeless, this sense of hopelessness, something to deal with death. Well, friend... Hear what Jesus has just said. You'll notice what he doesn't say is that in me, in my good example, you might, find, you might have peace. He doesn't say in my ideas you might have peace. He doesn't say in being morally exceptional you might have peace. No, he says in me, in me, you will have peace. The implication being outside of me, there is no peace. It's an extraordinary claim that would have dissolved on the pages of history if it wasn't for the resurrection, the witnessed resurrection. Jesus of Nazareth, who died on a cross outside the gates of Jerusalem, who said, I am taking upon myself the sin that puts you in conflict with God. I'm going to that coalface. I'm going into that war for you. The cross is the picture of Jesus giving up his peace. The cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's proof that Jesus was giving up his peace so you don't have to. Jesus came back to life and then he offers that new life. He offers the spirit of God who comes into your life, who is the greatest tradesman and rebuilds that wall brings you shalom, spiritual restoration with God. And it's so profound. And so when we have that, we move into the trenches of life with the bullets flying over us and we say, it is well with my soul. 
I am well. Even though I'm not well, I am well because it is well with my soul. And so that's the reason I'm going to swing my legs out of bed today when I don't want to because I know that's true and I'm just going to get on with it. My question to you, friend, is can you say that? Can you say it is well with my soul? And I, I feel like praying, I should pray, I feel to pray, and then we're going to sing, we're going to respond in singing together, it is well with my soul. It's a cracker, absolute cracker. Come and ask me about the story about how it was written. Boy, oh boy, what a story about this man who can say it's well with my soul, with what was going on in his life. But I feel to pray, so I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, you, we see it, we know it, that you want shalom to be more than a tattoo on our skin. You wanted something that is, is deep in our souls. For those of, us who, those of us who aren't feeling it, would you remind us? For those of us who, who don't know it, would you show us? For those of us who are wrestling and searching and we've been looking everywhere for lasting peace that we have not found, Father, would you guide us straight to the feet of Jesus? Our sin we give to you, Jesus. Our fears we submit to you, Jesus. And our lives we entrust them to you, Jesus. And we pray this in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. We are going to sing together when the band comes out. It is well with my soul. And I just encourage you, check it out, read the story about the guy who wrote it and what happened to his family and how extraordinary it is that he could still say, it is well with my soul.